Recovery Elevator, episode 395. If I wanted to be the hero in my own life, I knew I needed to stop drinking, but I didn't know how to do it. Uh, like this? Yeah, that should work. Mix down. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Yo, yo. Mix down. Three, four. Yo, yo. Wiki, wiki. Three, Mix four, down. There we go. Seven, eight. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. Guys in the house. <laughs> I love it. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. There we go. Three, four, Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. It is so good to be here with you today. On today's episode, we have Jim. He's 50 years old. He's from New York. And at the time of this recording, he has 17 days away from alcohol. Great job, Jim. I want to talk to you about Curious Elixirs for a second here. Curious Elixirs are booze-free craft cocktails infused with adaptogens to help you unwind. Their beverages are handmade with the best ingredients and no refined sugar. They created Curious Elixirs because they believe non-alcoholic drinks should be unusually delicious, well-crafted, and good for bodies and souls. Their flavors are bold and crafted for the adventurous. Each flavor is a collaboration between their team of world-class bartenders, herbalists, and food scientists, and they proudly use only organic juices, herbs, spices, roots, barks, and botanicals to make your mouth dance. I've personally tried several Curious Elixir AF drinks, and yes, they are delicious and very creative as well. If you want to learn more about Curious Elixirs, their website is in the show notes. Thank you, Liz. I want to give a shout out to all of our Cafe RE chat hosts. Thank you so much for what you guys do. You do an amazing job. Okay, let's get started, listeners. On episode 391, this is about four weeks ago, I asked listeners what they, what you guys wanted to hear. And thank you if you submitted something to us. So one of those submissions was people wanted to hear updates from past interviewees. And I love this idea. I know myself, I sometimes wonder, where is Robert? Where is Elliot? Where's Michelle? Where's Lindsay? Are they still sober? And how are they doing? So if you have been interviewed on this podcast, and at this moment we've had 395 rock stars share their story, please send us an email to info at recoveryelevator.com with an update on your life. So please no more than 200-ish edited words, since I want to share as many updates on interviewees as I can. Now if you have drank since your interview on this podcast, that's okay. I still want to hear from you because I imagine with that field research, you've learned additional lessons. Again, I want to hear from past interviewees. And speaking of, Ashley D., if you're listening, check your email. I sent you an email to schedule an interview. Listeners, Ashley was on the podcast five years ago, and she emailed me earlier this year to get back on the podcast, but this time with five years away from alcohol. Great job, Ashley. Again, send me an edited snippet, 200-ish words, to info at recoveryelevator.com with how you're doing since your interview and where you're at now. Okay, let's get into the topic for today. Can you have fun without alcohol? Listeners, I'm not even going to build this one up. This answer is hands up or hands down unequivocally yes. Now at first, in early sobriety, you may find yourself or notice you're in the wrong room, as in closing down bars or discotecas isn't your cup of tea anymore. In my opinion, some of those establishments are only tolerable with copious amounts of the nervous system depressant called alcohol. If you remove alcohol, some of those places are absolutely hideous to be in, especially around the 12 a.m. mark. Yes, you can have fun without alcohol. Fun you can remember 
and fun that doesn't involve $18 beer night at a baseball game. Fun you don't have to pay for the next morning with a headache and shame. Fun that isn't tied to the evening. Fun before 10 a.m. And here's my favorite answer to this question. Yes, you can have fun alone. So this is my first episode behind the mic after our annual retreat we have in Bozeman, Montana. The fourth installment of this retreat, if I could summarize in one word, was fun. For those of you who made the retreat, it was fantastic meeting you. Thanks for trusting us, and thanks for trusting yourself. So each year with this retreat, we try to change up the itinerary and and try new things. This year, I hired an ecstatic dance DJ on Thursday at 1 p.m. on a basketball court. So going into this workshop, listeners, I was a little bit nervous. I've done a lot of DJing in my life, and I know what it takes to, to make a successful dance floor. Again, so midday sober dance party? Uh, let's just see what happens. So what happened was we had about 50 to 60 sober dancers on the basketball court dance floor for about 75 straight minutes. I had a blast dancing, and it was so much fun to watch other people let go and act like total kids again. And then on Saturday night at the closeout party, we had silent disco. This is where you have the music playing through headphones, and there are two channels of music to choose from. DJ Allen and DJ Courtney had 20 to 40 dancers on the stage going crazy for two straight hours. Again, I've done a bunch of DJing, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Pure, altruistic, joyful dancing. I know I personally had so much fun. So can you have fun sober? Fuck yes, you can. The best part is you will learn to do so without an external substance. Not many people know how to do this. If you're not having fun sober yet, no problem. We had a guy named Jeff B. on this podcast say, Sobriety is like a science experiment. Keep trying new things to have fun. Listeners, I hear pickleball is the new rage. Keep trying new things. And to turbocharge this, keep trying new activities with other sober peeps. Listeners, I didn't quit drinking to not have fun. Nope, didn't do it. Life is a movie and you're the director. You can make it however you want. Now, yes, listeners and those who attend AA, I'm aware of page 60 in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which talks about how running life on self-will and running the show, you controlling all the details, wanting everyone to act a certain way, etc. Yes, that's not good. So yes, life is a movie and you guide and nudge it whichever way you want, but leave room for the other actors in your life to act how they want. And don't control every aspect of this movie. Can you have fun sober? Yes. Absolutely hell yes, you can. But as a gentleman named Nate said at the retreat we just had in Bozeman, this whole process away from alcohol takes time. Be patient with this fun. Yes, actively go out and find it, but also let the fun come to you. Be patient. It will take time. For example, at year seven, alcohol-free, I got goats. Listeners, meet my Nigerian dwarf goats, Mocha, Elliot, Oreo, and Hot Dog. Why? To have fun. And actually, they make great pets. Myself and my dog, Ben, and the four goats, we have a blast nearly every night while watching the sun go down, and we're just acting like kids. One more thing here. If you're not having fun, and you've been away from alcohol for a hot minute, most likely... There is a narrative or unconscious voice that is putting distance from you and a good time. For example, we can't have fun until we finish the nursing program or until the deck is power washed, sanded, stained, stained again with a second coat, 
then lightly sanded, and then power washed again. So be on the look for that Bruno voice saying, we can't have fun until X, Y, and Z are completed. We can't have fun until I'm X amount of time away from alcohol. F*** that. Now is the best time to have fun. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this intro. And after we hear from Jim on the outro, I've got a poem about connection that I want to read to you that a listener sent me. And also we have our first musical submission from Michael P. to close this episode out. All right. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp, before we hear from Jim. Life can be overwhelming, and no matter who we are, problems are guaranteed to arise. For me, sometimes when new problems come up, I feel a bit paralyzed. It's important to assess situations and to talk to people I trust when it comes to finding solutions. I've gone from thinking I have to figure it out all on my own to asking for help when it comes to problem-solving mode. There's no better feeling than finding solutions and gaining confidence through problem-solving. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. Therapy has always been important to me because I need someone who can catch my blind spots and be clear with me. Someone who can see things that perhaps I'm not catching, and someone that can give me professional feedback without me feeling hurt or judged. We take such good care of our bodies. The mind should be no different. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapist anytime. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash elevator. Jim, how are you? Good, Paul. How are you today? Yeah, Jim. I'm doing great. Thank you so All much right. for asking. Jim, yeah. let's get right into this. When was your right. last drink? Uh, June 19th, 2022. June 19th, 2022. So at the time of this recording, that puts us, what, two weeks? Something like that? Yep. Just over two weeks, about two and a half. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Is this yeah. a record for you? No. I stopped on July the 8th, 2020, and went until June 19th, 2022. So that was my record. That was almost two years. Oh, and then okay. I stumbled off the path I'm a day, and I'm, I'm back on the path. Okay. So you almost had two years, July almost. 8th. Yep. Almost. You drank, yep. and then we're yep. back at two weeks. Is that what I hear? That's it. So I'm, gonna, right. I'm doing the math and I say, if I'm 699 out of the last 700, I like those. Uh, I like that percentage. For sure. Right. You know, <laughs> a lot of people think of continuous sobriety. It's a yay. It's yeah. a nay. It's a total bust if it's not continuous, but really what it looks like for most people is stacking days. And you look back, like you said, 699 out of 700 days or, or something like that. The math, yeah. The, yeah. The percentage is, is that's the progress and we're going to get all into that. But before we go there, Jim, good listeners, a little background about yourself, where you're from, uh, what you do for a living, your age, do you have a family, and what do you like to do for fun, Jim? Yeah, uh, so I live in Cambridge, New York. I am 50 years old, a wife, two kids, my kids are both teenagers. I, am, I work with a group of salespeople, uh, kind of covering the Northeast uh, states for fun. You know what I like to do? I've got a front porch. I like to sit on my front porch and read. In the mornings, early, and in the evenings, it's nice to uh, 
to sit out there and relax. Sometimes I just sit there and listen to the, listen to the neighborhood. Yeah. What are you, what are you reading right now, Jim? Uh, right now I'm reading a book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. No. And I actually talking to strangers, I actually listened to that book. Uh, but no, the name of this book is David and Goliath. Okay. You like it? Talking about underdogs and things like that. And I kind of, some of this stuff uh, sort of, I guess, applies to an alcohol free life. Be, you know, living alcohol free can kind of be looked at as underdogs since the rest of the, you know, a lot of people still drink. And so you know, I was out to dinner last night and people all around me were drinking. I was the, I was the underdog in that. I was the David versus their Goliath by not drinking. Gotcha. But so, that was a David with 13 days. Now it's Jim with 14 <laughs> days. Check it out. Right. Oh, it's, it's, it's neat how the universe works this morning. I quoted, or I, the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, another one of his yes. books, it was, uh, what is the guy who warned everybody that the red coats are coming? Is that Paul Revere? Paul Revere. Yeah, I think that's so. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's what I was talking about with a friend this morning. Uh, interesting. All right. Yeah. And, and Jim, you're in a hotel room right now. You're traveling for work. There, am I correct right. on that? Correct. Cool. How do you, uh, um, how are you feeling about the interview? And I, I just want to say, I think it's a total badass gangster move to come on a podcast, recovery podcast with 14 days away from alcohol. A lot of times, sometimes I reach out to people and request an interview and people say, you know what, uh, let me wait till I get six months. Let me get to a year or now's not the right time. How do you feel right now doing this interview? Good, good. I mean, I don't know. I think if I'm going to be serious about this, then, then uh, I'm jumping right in. And, and like you said about stacking days, I feel like I've got, you know, I've learned a ton over the past two years. I've got a lot of tools at my disposal and I, I kind of, you know, I stopped using those tools and that's probably the reason why June 16th or 19th happened. Uh, I stopped using those tools. So no, I feel good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here and to talk about this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Jim, me too. Yeah. I, I know I can contribute a lot of my sobriety, the success that I've had away from alcohol to these interviews I've done. Uh, we're almost at 300 of them and it's by far my favorite part of recovery yeah. elevator doing this project. So let's get into your story. I can't wait to hear about July 8th, 20, I think it was July 8th, July 8th, 2020, June 19th, yeah. 2022. But let's even back it up before that, Jim. When did you start drinking? When did you recognize that alcohol was a, was a problem? Yeah. So I, you know, I started in high school I, and I don't know if it was a, I grew up in, in Rhode Island. So, um, you know, if it was part of, you know, uh, the time or, or whatever, but I feel, felt like, you know, about 11th, 12th grade, it, it seemed like me and my, my friends were you know, every weekend as it was our goal was to try and get our hands on some beer somehow, somewhere. And it was, I, I don't know if whatever drove that, but you know, it was, I don't know, you know, we all played sports. We were all active in school and stuff, but we just always had that goal to, to uh, what are we going to do this weekend? Well, let's see if we can get some hands on some beer, get someone to buy beer for us. You know, I went to college and that was kind of more of the same with a real small school in, in Massachusetts. And it was not that much bigger than my high school. And it kind of felt like a lot of the same. Uh, but I think my senior year of college, I, I started to think everyone drinks in college, but it, it's I don't know, affecting me differently. Or after I do it, I, I don't feel great. And, and it's not that much fun anymore. And then you know, I graduated from college, started working for the same company I work for today, 28 years later. And um, it's the industry that I'm in. It's, you know, it's a sales uh, you know, my job has generally always been sales and it's, a, it's a, it's in the construction industry. So it's kind of a masculine drink, drink, drink type of industry. And it's not as much as it was, as it is now, as it was 28 years ago, but it was still, 
you know, there was a saying that we had in the, in the office when I first started was, it doesn't matter what you do the night before, as long as you can answer the bell, which basically meant get up and be in the office at eight o'clock next morning. And, and it was yeah. a badge of honor to be able to stay out until 2 a.m. drinking. And then, you know, but I remember the first time I quit, I was about 25 years old and I had gone to uh, New York City with some friends of mine and basically went there Friday night and drank until we left on Monday morning. And, and you know, all was called in sick on Monday morning. And I remember driving home, the other two guys I was with were out a lot later than I was on Sunday night. So they were, they were sleeping. I remember driving home and just thinking, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. This isn't, I, I don't want this kind of life. You know, there's, there's more for me. You were yeah. 25? About 25. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And I quit for about three months and, you know, I went to some AA meetings that never really, I don't know, it didn't really work for me, but I just kind of quit on my own, if you will. But after about three months, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened, but I got right back into it. And then, you know, really for the next, you know, say 20 years, it was a huge part of my life and was part of the people that I hung around with. It was part of the, the, you know, part of my job. Not that I had to do that, but it was easy enough to do. And, you know, I did a lot of it. I think probably, you know, after my kids were born and I was struggling with being a new father and things like that. And, and, you know, marriage was new to me and I I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, I I knew I could always turn to, uh, you know, drinking to, to sort of, push back some of those fears of, of just being, you know, being a father. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got these two little kids running around and I'll, let me drink and just take some of that edge off and then maybe I can play with them. But, but it was, you know, it was never the right thing. And I, and I, I think probably by my early forties with at that point, my kids were probably six and eight years old. I, I started to realize this is, this is a problem, but I didn't know how to quit. I had no idea what to do. I thought AA was the only answer. And, and over the years I'd done it, uh, gone to AA meetings and, and, and you know, I go for three, four meetings in a row. And then uh, I don't really like this and try and white knuckle my way through it for a week or so. And it wouldn't work. And really, I, I had no idea that there were other options out there. And it was probably when I was about 45 that I really said, oh, this is, I, I can't, this isn't sustainable. Basically, I can't continue to do this. I, I'm not a good father. I'm not a good husband. Um, just, you know, things were kind of, you know, coming off the rails a little bit. Yeah, Jim, got a question. So at 25, that's when you quit for three months. You went to a couple AA meetings. You're driving back after a big night in New York City with your buddies and said, look, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't serving me, right? But then for 20 years, it kept going. And then at age 45, you reach the same conclusion. Look, this has definitely got to go. Talk to us about those 20 years. Were there some moments where you thought you had moderation, like the key to it? Um, were there some painful moments or that you just kept going? Or was it really not an issue for those 20 years? No, it was, it, it was always, it was always kind of on in the, it was always an issue, but there, like I said, yeah, there were some moderation points. There were some times where I would quit for you know, a week or something, but I mean, there were points where, you know, I, I mean, I remember one, one time clocking, I, I had, you know, I, I had the option to kind of work wherever I wanted. So I could work remotely. I remember there was one time that 12 Mondays in a row, and I, I would usually go into the office on Monday, 12 Mondays in a row. I did not go into the office because I was so hungover from the weekend that I couldn't physically get out of bed and, and go to, to work. And that, that was probably, I don't know, maybe I was about 40 years old or something. And, and I just, you know, I was thinking like, God, how, how can I continue this? How, how, but I, but I, I really had nowhere to turn. I, I, I didn't know how to do it. And I just, I didn't know what to do so basically. And there were, there were, you know, there were some, yeah, there were some, I don't know, you know, call them fun times. Now you look back on them. I said, I would have had just as much fun doing these things if I was not drinking, but there were many more dark moments, lonely moments, you know, 2 a.m. by myself moments. There were too many of those. And, and 
like I said, I just, I, I couldn't figure out how to, how to stop. Yeah. Do you remember a moment when you, you realized I couldn't figure out how to stop when it was almost terrifying to you? Cause I, I had a couple of those moments in the summer of 2014. It was like, Holy shit. I don't think I can beat this or I don't think I can quit. Did you have any couple of those moments? Yeah, I did because it was, and, and I don't know anything specific, but, but a theme came to be that. And everyone, you know, you read about it, you hear about it, people, you know, you wake up in the morning, all right, that's it. It's a Wednesday and I'm, I'm done. I'm not drinking today. I'm not going to drink until Saturday. Right. And on the way home Wednesday night, I'm stopping to get a bottle of wine or a six pack or whatever. Um, so there were, you know, I don't know if there was anything specific that, that I thought about that said, God, I can't, I, I can't do this, but, but there were just, I don't know. It was like a, a low grade hum, I guess, <laughs> that was always there. And it was just, uh, I don't know, it's like having a, an itch that you can't, you can't get rid of. Okay. The low grade hum was almost like somebody, Hey Jim, we got a drink like the craving. Yeah. Is that what it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it was, and some nights it would just be two, two glasses of wine. Oh, good. And I think oh, God, maybe I got this thing beat. And then the next night it would be full throttle. You know, I look up, it's midnight and you know, my wife went to bed three hours ago. What am I still doing up? Sure. So it, it was, you know, it was a lot of that stuff. And there was, I mean, I never, you know, got into any trouble or anything like that, you know, which, and there were plenty of times that, that I easily could have been pulled over and, and things like that. Or, but the thing that, that, that I started to realize, especially at the end was I no longer went out to drink. I, I drank at home because I didn't have the patience to be out and around people. I didn't have the, I just didn't want to, I, you know, I, I started to close myself off to, to the world and, and I would prefer to just drink by myself where no one would bother me and, and I could have as much as I wanted and not worry about. Jim question with that. Was that a line in the sand that you told yourself, like, I'm never going to drink alone because I know for me, I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink before five. I don't drink on the weekdays. <laughs> I don't drink. I don't drink alone and I don't black out. And every single one of those lines was crossed was was not drinking alone. So, one of those for you too. Here's a, here's a specific one that I do remember. It was Father's Day, and this was probably I don't know, maybe it was five years ago. It was five, but I remember it was specifically it was a Father's Day, and we'd gone over to some friends' house to their pool and hang out for the, the afternoon, and and you know we started drinking then. And you know Father's Day, they always uh, I'm a fan of golf, so the, the U.S. Open is always ends on Father's Day. So I said to my wife, you know, in the morning, hey, what do you want for Father's Day? Not that all I want to do is watch the, the U.S. Open today. You know when after we get home. So we get home around four or five o'clock. I go sit in the back room, put the TV on. I'm sitting out there and I just was, you know, pounding away, drinking beers and, and everything like that by myself on Father's Day. And the thing ends at about eight o'clock or so. And at that point I was, I was drunk and, and by myself. And I'm thinking, my God, it's Father's Day. My wife and kids are in the other room. I'm here all by myself, sitting here watching a golf match that I really could care less about. I, I have no idea who, who won. So <laughs> here we are many years later, it didn't matter. And, and that was one of those things where I said, God, what, what am I doing here? What am I doing? Jim, you said something earlier, drink how I want to drink. And that was one of the most painful moments about moderation or trying to keep this thing under control was I wasn't able to drink how I wanted to drink. And usually with us, me and you, and yeah. probably many listeners right now, the way we want to drink does not fit in the normal drinking category. For example, at the end, the end for me, I wanted to drink alone and I wanted to drink a box of wine with, you know, with a hard alcohol chaser. And I wanted to just hang out in my dream world for like an hour, then take a long nap, wake up and do it again. It got dangerous right. when I would wake up and do this again, 10 times and three days would pass and I wouldn't eat, but that's how I wanted to drink. Um, right. And it's, 
it's rough, right? Like, I mean, describe how you wanted to drink at the end. Yeah, I wanted to 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 sit there and not be bothered by my wife or my kids. Uh, I wanted to put something on TV that that you know I could kind of just I didn't have to pay attention to basically whether it was a a sporting event or if it was a movie that I'd seen a hundred times and I knew how it was going to play out. And you know, it's funny. I, I used to watch movies like uh, Braveheart and uh, you know things like that, and I'd always watch them and, and I'd you know be drinking. I'd be saying, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop drinking and I'm gonna become Braveheart. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop drinking and I'm going to become, you know, a leader of, you know, this group of people. And, and I'm going to turn into this. Once, once I stop drinking, I'm going to do all these things. Um, and I used to sit there and watch those movies and, and think about it. And, you know, it was the same old, same old, you know, the next morning I wake up, oh my God, what the hell is wrong with me? And, and I beat myself up and, you know, and, and I would never, and I, and I realized that if I wanted to be uh, Braveheart or pick a, Clint, pick a Clint Eastwood movie where he's the hero, if I wanted to be the hero in my own life, I knew I needed to stop drinking, but I didn't know how to do it. And and when I'd watch these movies and, and you know, you'd be drinking them by myself and I'd be playing out my hero role in my life. And the next morning, it'd be all shattered. <laughs> it'd be gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most time when they describe a, uh, describe a hero, you know, you know, blacking out and throwing up on themselves usually aren't a character <laughs> trait that you hear. It's not right. It's somebody right. who's, who, who, who's coherent. Their, their, their physical abilities are intact or whatnot. I, I hear you on that. And I recall yeah. when I would, when I would drink in ex- the way I wanted to drink, I would solve all the world problems, including world yeah. hunger. And, and yeah. I, I just <laughs> solved world peace and I'd wake up and there'd be just such a faint memory of that completely blanketed by crippling shame and anxiety and, and a hangover And it. Yeah. I, the same thing I reached is like, all right, this, this has to go. I'm not going to be the hero. Um, unless I make a major change in my life, which sounds like you were getting to yeah. what happened. I think at age 48, you quit for two years or walk us through from yeah. 48 to June 8 or July 8th, 2020. Yeah. So I, so I actually, before that, I started putting days together and got more. So I read uh, the first book that, and I don't even know how I, I probably was Googling how to stop drinking and this naked mind came up. Um, so I read that book and I read it about three times before I was able to really start stacking days. And I, and I was interested in the science behind it and the marketing and, and just all that stuff that, that it kind of went into. So I probably, you know, at one point this was, would be 2018, 19, I put together about seven months and then, you know, I kind of went back to, you know, drinking again. And, and then I, you know, again, I started stacking days and the end of 19, I put together about three or four months, 2019. Then uh, I remember it was my birthday, 2020. And I kind of went back off the rails there and then we kind of rolled into the pandemic and at that point I had kind of made a commitment that I was gonna really give this a go like, like full throttle and I've been listening to to you know to this podcast a ton so I, I was looking at you know obviously we would get the, the cafe Ari, the Facebook group and things like that and at the time I did not have a Facebook account so I said ah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna join Cafe Ari because I'm a Facebook account. I don't feel like setting one up. Well, probably, uh, so my birthday's in February. So February, March, April, you know, in the pandemic. And I would stack maybe 10 days in a row. Then I, when I would drink during that time, I would go full throttle. It would be, you know, five o'clock. And especially I was working from home, five o'clock, boom, let's go. And then it'd be midnight, one o'clock. I'd wake up the next morning, three, four days worth of recovery, three, four days worth of sobriety, and then back on the, you know, so it would be every seven to 10 days I'd have a, you know, I'd, I, I drink. And when I would drink, it wouldn't be just one or two drinks. I'd be drinking until I pass out. So I finally, uh, July 8th, 2020, 
set up a Facebook account, join Cafe RE, and I said, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm getting on there and I'm in the blue group and I'm participating. I'm going to, I'm going to post, I'm going to respond to people. I'm going to get, you know, check out some of these meetings and things like that. And that was, you know, kind of that first journey. Uh, and then I just started second days and the next thing you know, it was a year, you know, and then it was coming up on um, kind of two years. And you know, you know what, the, the funny thing is at the beginning of this year, like I said, I, I started traveling a lot more for work and I stopped doing a lot of the things that, a lot of tools that work for me, including um, Cafe RE. I was not um, in the group much. I didn't post. I didn't read anything and participate in any meetings. Um, I stopped doing all that. And I remember specifically, this was April. I remember because it was right uh, towards the beginning of the baseball season. And I, and I said, you know what, maybe I'll just quit Cafe RE. I mean, it's only 20 bucks a month or whatever, but I'm not using it. It's a waste of time. I, you know, I might just quit. And I said, well, let me do this. I'll just wait a couple months and then I'll June, I said, June, July 1st, if I'm not using it between now and July 1st, I'm done, I'm done with it. And I, and I wasn't, I wasn't using it. And uh, I think that's what led to, to June 19th was the fact that, like I said, I was not using the tools that I knew worked and alcohol kind of crept in there a little bit. I kind of left the crack in the door by not using these tools. And, you know, I left that crack in the door open and alcohol just blew right through on that day. And, and you know, it was, it was scary. It was really a scary day it, it was so my wife and i it was there was actually a day of our anniversary our wedding anniversary we had gone to uh to kind of a uh, lake house and you know we got there on sunday morning and i had taken monday off from work and and we just you know we we're kind of pulling around the weather wasn't great so we ended up kind of sitting inside the house and just reading uh, books and stuff like that um, and then went out to dinner and now it was also father's day that my kids were home you know they're old enough now they can stay at home by themselves but and we didn't realize this, so we went to a bunch of places. I was like, oh, Jesus, it's Father's Day. So we couldn't get anything to eat. Everything was, was packed. And we ended up in this one place. It was a bar, and the only place was at the bar. And we literally walked into the to the front door, and, and the woman says, oh, you know, you can sit at the bar if you don't want to wait 30 minutes. So we went up to the bar. I, I saw the tap on the the tap handle, and and I said, I'm getting a beer. And I ordered one, and my wife kind of looked at me sideways. And she said, like, sure. I'm like, I am good. I got this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> heard those words before. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> So I had one, we ordered dinner, I had another one. And I'll I tell you what, it was halfway through the first beer. I was already thinking, all right, let's see, it's Sunday night. There's no alcohol back at the, at the cabin. How, what am I going to do? How am I going to get? It was, it was just, like I said, it was scary. It was just all that work I had done had, could have gone right out the window. Did you get um, alcohol back at the cabin? Oh, totally. Oh, absolutely. I got on my phone. I'm Googling what's open. You know, yeah. And, you know, I found a place that was open until eight. So, so here it is six o'clock. And in the back of my mind, I'm saying, all right, so this place is about 10 minutes away. closes at eight. Let's make sure we get the check and get the hell out of here because I got to bet get over there before eight o'clock and get home. Uh, it was just, you know, I bought a four pack of beer and even the, 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 the old trick that I used to use, I didn't care what kind of beer it was. I don't want to look which, which of these IPA 16 ounce cans have the most alcohol in them. Oh, this one's an 8.1. Boom. There's my choice. It didn't matter if I, and my wife had gotten a bottle of wine. I had posed the whole thing. Well, let's stop and get you a bottle of wine. Yeah, right. Did she believe you? Uh, uh, so, you know, so thoughtful of you, Jim. She probably knew. I don't know. She, she, but we got her a bottle of wine. And she, she got home. She had a, a glass. I had all four of the beers and then she went to bed and I had the rest of the bottle of wine. And I'm telling you, man, it was, it was, like I said, it was scary. It, it really, you know, I, I feel like I got to the edge of the cliff and looked down and, and, it was like, I can't, this can't happen again. This, I cannot, I can't fall off this cliff or, or it's, I'm done for. So, you know, the next morning I woke up, I mean, I was physically, I was, I was just wrecked. 
you know, my body was totally wrecked. And I was literally, I woke up, I was terrified. Like, what have I done? Cause, cause the funny thing is I've had over the past couple of years, a lot of the dreams where you, you, you dream you're drinking and you wake up and you're like, Oh wait, all right. Am I hung over? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, just get up and go. Well, this was not, this was not a dream. And you know, I got there and I woke up and, uh, and my wife was already downstairs. She made coffee, everything like that. And I walked down and I, I was just like, my God, what, why did I give this day away? Cause physically I was just wrecked. Mentally I was wrecked and I felt like I'd already just given the day away. Here I was, it was a beautiful day. We're sitting on a lake and I'm just miserable. So, I mean, I made the best of it, but, but it really was a, like I said, it was a terrifying experience, but it was a humbling experience too. It really humbled me big time to, I, I kind of felt like you ever see the movie, uh, it's a wonderful life. The Christmas movie. It's uh, I don't know, anyway. There's a guy in there, George Bailey, who jumps off the bridge to save someone, and he thinks he dies, and and he goes back, and they see you've really got a wonderful life. And and I kind of felt like I felt like George Bailey, like wait a minute, you know what? I, I over the past two years, I've worked a lot. I've worked really hard for this, and and I do have a wonderful life. I'm so lucky for for all the things that I have in it. And do I really want to give it all away for for you know for alcohol for 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 no reason really? Yeah, no, Jim, we've got some similarities in our journey. And, and from 2010 to 2012, I was almost two and a half years away from alcohol. And I said those words, I got this. <laughs> it's an issue. It's not an issue. It is in the past. And you know, here am I, I am behind them on the mic again, because I crashed and burned really hard, but I needed that field research. And for me, it wasn't a one and done thing. It was uh, it was a couple really painful years that culminated in a the summer from hell in 2014, but that's what I needed. I needed to be humbled with that. And, and yeah. what is a, you know, what is a lesson you think you pulled from, from that? Because I don't think any relapses, I don't like that word. I, I use field yeah. research, but you can use it whatever you want, but right. I don't even think those are wastes. You're not throwing any time away. There's a whole bundle of lessons caught up in there. And sometimes you need to get the shit scared out of you. You're terrified, right? There's many times I woke up in the morning like, Oh shit, I had it right. Yeah. Like, I got to get back on track. And then at the end, I remember embracing the pain. Paul, you remember, do you remember, or don't forget this feeling, remember it, remember right. how painful this is. And that's when I knew that like things were shifting and things were changing that, that old guy was dying. And so what was that lesson you pulled out from on June 19th? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I think was, was I have a lot of tools at my disposal when I was using them on a regular basis. And, and I stopped, I basically stopped because I said, no, I got this. I can, I can do it without, you know, I can do it alone. I can do it alone. That was kind of the biggest thing. I thought I can do this alone. There's no problem. I don't need to, you know, check in with Cafe RE. I don't need to talk to, you know, there's some people I work with that, that also are, you know, they're sober. And you know, there was one woman in particular who I called. I called her on, on Tuesday. I went back to work. She's in, in uh, you know, a different part of the country, but she and I have kind of talked about this. And I told her, I said, hey, this is what I did. And we had a nice conversation and she really was like, okay. So what are you going to do next? And, and I kind of told her, and that was huge. So I, you know, I, I realized I need the community around me. I need that connection with, with other people, I mean, you know, other people in, in my sober tribe or that was probably the biggest lesson I took away from it. I can't do it alone. And I, and, and I don't want to do it alone because it's hard, you know, it can be hard, you know, but to know that you've got, that there are people out there who have my back, um, you know, and I, and I posted something in, in uh, cafe RE on Monday, Monday morning when I got up. And the response there was, was tre tremendous. You know, people, people got your back in, in you know, in this community. And, and, and that's really what was, uh, that was important. That, that was important to see that and to, and to feel that. And, and I think that was the biggest, uh, biggest lesson would be, I can't do it alone and I don't want to do it. 
Yeah, ditto on that on that one, Jim. I recognized after my stint with that is I can't do this alone. It was so painful right. doing a doing alone, and I was also selling myself short because the ticket to entrance into this sober life is pain. It really is. There's multiple pain points you hit. Oh, yeah. There's a tipping point. What's up, Malcolm Gladwell? That yeah. you recognize that it's easier to go forward in life without alcohol to continue down that path of utter self destruction. And when I recognize I can't do that alone, then opens up this incredible camaraderie in, in, in sobriety. Yeah. yeah. I actually want to go back just a little bit, Jim, and, and mention yeah. with listeners in 2017, 2018, you read this naked mind by Annie Grace, fantastic book. And you started stacking days. So listeners, there's no right or wrong way to do this. It's not, you quit once and never look back for the majority of people. It's a stacking days concept. We, we read information. We usually end up starting this journey alone. Right. And I yeah. think a couple interviews ago, I, I don't like to talk poorly about anything. I said, you watch out with this naked mind because it's lack, it's lacking action items. I actually want to rescind that because I love that book. Sometimes with knowledge alone, it can, it can change the trajectory. Yeah. We might recognize yep. later down the road that we need community. We can't do this alone, but still it's a great moment, a trajectory. You're stacking days. I think I heard of four months. I think I heard of seven months in there. And, yeah. and that's how it looked like for me too. After that two and a half years, yeah, that I started stacking, right? And then and then the stacking got a little shorter for me. And then I was on day one for what seemed like a whole summer. But that's yeah. how it looked like for Jim. That's how it looked like for me. And this time I've got a good amount of time and hopefully that doesn't change. And and so Jim, here we are right now, 14 days. What is your plan moving forward? Yeah, I mean, right now it's it's uh you know, Cafe RE is a big part of it, you know, going on a Facebook group and posting or re or just reading sometimes, just reading other people posts and maybe make a quick comment something in there jumping on a, uh, the meetings when when I can you know sometimes it was just to listen and then it's just getting back to you know I just read um I dusted off my copy of the unexpected joy of being sober okay I think the name of the book anyway and, and you know it's you want us to know something funny so you talked earlier about um you know kind of how the universe works and and, and you had uh, I forget what how you mentioned it but but I was reading that book so I was on vacation last week and I was, I was going to, uh, to this, this island to, and I was on a ferry over to the island and I was reading that book and in it, she mentions a trip to Venice. Uh, and she talks about the bridges, the bridge of size in Venice, H H S I G H S. So we go get off this ferry and we're going to walk around. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to jump into this gallery over here. I want to check it out. So I go in there and, and I walk in the gallery. I took, look to my left, there's three pictures or three paintings on the wall of Venice and one of them is of the Bridge of Size, and I thought, "Holy shit, this is this ah. is this is something. This this is the universe speaking to me, saying, you know what? You're back on the right path. Continue." So that was a pretty powerful thing to you know to be reading that book, and then to to see the Bridge of Size. I mean, I had never even heard of the Bridge of Size, sure. and I and I've read that book two two or three times before. I don't remember reading that particular thing, and then to see it in the uh, in the gallery was that was something. So, you know. Listening to things like that saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I am on the right path. I am. I, I'm going to continue to do this. Jim, I no yeah. longer believe in coincidences anymore. Right. And I fully yeah. believe in those synchronicities, breadcrumbs from the universe that say, look, Jim, you are on the right track. Just keep going down this path. You will be protected. We, yeah. got, <laughs> we, we got your back. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about journaling. I know I just interrupted you there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's something that uh, you, you want to know. Again, I, I, I have always tended to be hard on myself, and and I, I think a lot of people probably are. And I, so I, I, I 
been journaling right after, um, you know, kind of reading that, uh, this naked mind, I started doing that. And then this year I, I kind of, you know, I really, I, I stopped doing it. Ah, uh, such a chore. Oh, I, I can't spend five minutes in the morning to, <laughs> to write something down. And I always give myself, I'd say, okay, I gotta write 500 words today or it doesn't count. Then I write 250. Ah, it didn't count. Then I write 350. It didn't count. Then I forced myself to write 505 words and it seemed like such a chore. I just said, I'm not doing it. So one of the other things now is, that, is I've decided I'm take the pressure off. And, and I forget where I read this somewhere recently. It said, you know, if, if you want to journal, write less than you think you have to write and the words will just flow out. And so I've done that. I just said, you know, I'm going to get on there. I'm going to write whatever I think. You know, some days it's a hundred words. Some days it's, you know, it's three sentences. Some days it's a thousand words, you know, it's two pages worth of stuff. So I'm kind of taking the pressure off there and just, it, it's always been a, I've always found it to be a great outlet for me to kind of get some of these these thoughts that are rattling around on my head um, out on paper and, and just to get them, you know, to get them put somewhere. And, and sometimes it helps to the, 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 the app I use. It's a, it's an online thing too. And it sends you an email, you know, kind of random emails every day or two. And it says that two years ago, you wrote this or six months ago, you wrote this. It was cool to kind of look back and say, all right, six months ago, I was, you know, I was, you know, especially when, when I'm worrying about something, I was worrying about this thing such a big this was a huge you know, it turned out fine it really wasn't that big a deal so it gives me that mindset of you know whatever i'm challenging whatever i'm challenged with today it's probably not going to be that big of a deal in, in three months or six months and, and if i can just kind of step back take a big deep breath focus on on doing the right thing it, it, everything will work out yeah I'm a, I'm a fan of journal speak and i do this with pen and paper and i also do it on a in a an excel doc and at the end, I hit Command A. I'm on a map Mac and just delete it. Right? I, yeah. I I spit out. I barf out on a keyboard. Whatever's in there, because yeah. really, you, you know, it, it's a way of releasing energy. It's a mental thought which still has an atomic weight, but you get that on a pen and paper. And there's something or about visualizing on that a computer screen and the energy. It's no longer inside of you. It had just gone yeah. from you to the external world, and it's easier to release. And my goodness, with with some strange things like the, the, there's a lot of anger. It, that that sometimes I get out on paper. I'm like, all right, we're good. <laughs> like it's, yeah, right. I love oh, totally. It. Yeah, and I try and do it in the morning because you know I, I don't know. Sometimes you you wake up and I, this is me. I, I tend to I don't know, worry about the day. Oh, I got this to do. I got that to do. Or she's oh, last night I didn't sleep well and I'm thinking about this. So and I feel like it it, it almost resets me to to face the day again. Uh, sure. And get that done. I mean, you know, sometimes I don't don't do it. And and, and I'm I'm also trying to go easy. All right, I didn't journal today. Okay, that's fine. No problem. We'll do it tomorrow. Sure. Um, and sometimes my journal speak, it has illustrations, it has arrows with yeah, flames right. and it's, it's going <laughs> and it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Good. It's just, it is yeah. what it is. Right. And I tear it up and throw yeah. it away or I hit select all and delete. Yeah. yeah. There's no rules for journaling, right? No, it's really not. You know, I mean, you can pay a therapist, which I do occasionally go to a therapist, yeah. but I've learned other tools that help me release it and just let it go. Yeah. Um, and Jim, I got a couple questions before we hit the rapid fire round. You mentioned your yeah. wife, you're at the bar. She's like, you sure about this, Jim? Are they involved on this process? Have you burned the ships with them? As I like to say here. Um, yeah. Where are they at with this? Yeah. I mean, my wife, I think when, we, when, when, when it, I first kind of, and especially as I started putting days together, you know, she and I, she, she was never as much of a drinker as I was for sure. And I, and the more, more 
time I stay from alcohol, the more I realized, geez, I might've been a pretty bad influence on her because she doesn't really drink that much. <laughs> so um, I, I think originally she thought, oh, geez, now I'm losing the drinking buddy, even though she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a, a real big drinker. It was more of a, I'm losing a partner and, you know, the happy hours and to go to her friends' cookouts and all stuff. And I said, no, no, I can still do all that stuff. I'm just not going to do it with a beer in my hand. And I think that took her for a while to figure out that, oh, actually he eats other stuff without a beer in his hand. And, and she's been great. I mean, she's, you know, supported me and, and, and my kids, you know, the teenagers now. So, you know, we talk about it. I mean, when I was my son's age, like I said, I was, my weekends were built around trying to find beer and, you know, so I've talked to them about it and, and just said, look, I, you know, when I was your age, yeah, I was drinking, I, 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 I don't know. I, I struggled to tell them not to do it. You know, I mean, I didn't listen to my parents. I don't know if you listen to your parents when you were a kid, but especially a teenager. So I tell them not to do it. Are they going to do it? Are they just going to do whatever they want? I, what, what I've tried to get to, to tell them, and my wife has been great about telling me this, is don't tell them it's right or wrong. Just tell them you're going to support them, whatever they decide to do. Now, obviously, if they're going to turn to spending, you know, the next 40 years drunk, I'm not going to support them on that. But if they make a mistake, I, I got, you know, I got your back and let's talk about it. Let's, let's have a conversation around this because teenagers, you know, they tell me stuff about their friends drinking and, and using drugs and stuff like that. And, uh, it scares me. Frankly, it, it scares me, you know, yeah. I, I guess the, the more I talk about it and, and talk to them about it, I think uh, I'm going to be open with them. Let them tell me what they're thought. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. Sure. Okay, Jim, one more question before we hit the rapid fire round. In his last 14 days, what's been the best moment? You know, um, it was probably, so like I said, I was on vacation last week. I went to the Outer Banks and we go every year with my, uh, my wife. She's got two of her sisters and their families. And one morning I went out, I went for a run on the beach. I kind of did some stretch and went for a swim in the ocean. And this was, you know, before six o'clock in the morning. And I came back and I, and I was sitting, had a cup of coffee sitting on the deck. And, and I remember writing in, in my journal, um, I just had a big cup of, uh, kind of, can I swear here or what? So you know, Let's do it. can edit it out. But I, I wrote in the journal, the, the heading was, I just had a big bowl of fuck yeah for breakfast. <laughs> so just meaning I had the exercise, the journal, the coffee. I was feeling great. It was just, that was the moment, you know, and, and, and to do it all before 630 in the morning, I really felt like this is how I want to start my days. You know, yeah. this is what I'm looking for. And it, it really reminded me of, you know, basically the power of, of an alcohol-free life. I was That was probably for sure in the last 14 days that that morning particularly was was powerful yeah i love it all right jim we have reached the rapid fire round you can answer these questions in 30 to 60 seconds that would be great are you ready let's do it ride number one what's the one thing you've learned about yourself since quitting drinking uh, that i'm enough uh, i am enough uh, for a long time i didn't think i was enough husband. I didn't think I was a good enough father. I didn't think I was a good enough worker or friend, but I, I know since I quit, I am enough. All right. Favorite alcohol-free drink? Uh, polar. Polar seltzer. Ooh, okay. Yep. All right. right here. <laughs> He's got it. Cranberry lime. That's what's <laughs> up, listeners. Okay. Jim, here's an easy one. What's the point of life? Point of life? All right, to, to wake up happy. I think happiness is the point of life. And, and You know what? Another thing I've realized is, yeah, every day, this is one thing that was sort of a disappointment, I guess, when, when I you know started stacking days. There's just still some hard days in there. And, and I remember sometimes I would think, wait, what? this is supposed to be easy. How come I'm having such a shitty day today? 
And then I realized, all right, well, imagine how bad it could be if I was drinking. All right, let's let's move on from that. So, for that sure, was, yeah. All right, Jim. Favorite '80s or '90s band? Oh, I'd say Metallica. Mm, yeah. All right. We're, yeah, when we're chasing around looking for beer and those in 17, 18 years old, we're cranking Metallica in the cassette player in the car. What's your favorite Metallica album? Uh, Injustice for All. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. What are some of your favorite resources? Uh, uh, Cafe RE is, is is a big one. Quintlet, as they call it. I, I, you know, I've got a bunch of, uh, like I said, I, I dusted off that one copy of uh, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, and I've got a bunch more at home that, um, you know, I'm going to start reading them again. Just, it's a great reminder of the journey that other people have been on and the similarities. Uh, I think that's a, that's going to be another big tool. If you had a pet falcon, what would you name it? Oh, that's a good, uh, I don't know, what would I name it? Pet Falcon? I don't know. How about Perry? Perry the Peregrine. All right. Guess what my dad's name is? Perry? That's what's up right there. All right. Yeah, I don't hear that name too often. It's short for... (laughs) Uh, short for Paris, uh, actually, yeah. And, uh, it's my grandpa met my grandma in World War II. Anyways, different story. Here we go. Uh, second to last question, favorite pizza topping? I say sausage. Yeah, okay. What parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners? Uh, you can do this and, and try not to do it alone. Um, there are parts of it you have to do alone, but, but if you can involve as many people as possible, uh, it makes it a lot easier and it's a lot more fun. <laughs> The journey is a lot more fun with other people that are trying to do the same thing. Agreed. And before we depart, Jim, give listeners your own. You might need to ditch the booze if line. Uh, if you're sitting by yourself on Father's Day, drinking alone while your wife and kids are in the other room, uh, you might need to quit the booze. Yeah, that checks out for sure. <laughs> Jim, thank you for your time today. Thank you for, for being a badass and coming on this, on this podcast and sharing your story with us. Much appreciated. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. This has been great. Listeners, we're going to close today's episode out with a poem on connection. This is from Kelly A in our Cafe Ari Go group. Connection. Darkness. So dark I can't see. Asking myself, what happened to me? Trying so hard over and over again to find my path and start anew, but then, anxiety is so paralyzing I can't breathe. Alcohol lies and steals, it's a thief. Another day one, and my heart is full of rage. I can't seem to escape this cage. Imprisoned in loneliness, so staggering it hurts. Friends have come and gone, only this one thing asserts. I look at me devastated by what's become. Can anyone help me? My feelings are gone, I'm numb. From quiet desperation, an answer emerges. A group of people just like me, my heart surges. Could it be that someone understands? They are reaching out to give a helping hand. Suddenly I'm filled with hope of a new day. Connection, it seems, has put the poison at bay. I'm on a new path now, one full of light and love. Bonds have formed and we are rising above. The darkness, anxiety and loneliness and flight. Recovery, the journey, connection, light. I'm so grateful my heart is free for the gift of love, support, and recovery. Thank you so much, Kelly A. That was beautiful. And Michael P. is going to take us home with our first musical submission, Recovery Elevator, Go Big, because eventually we all go home.
inside So let go of your pride And put down that drink And try and find the real you Stop searching outside It's always been inside of you.